Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Trying to be a little less, quote, political today, because yesterday was a very hard-hitting podcast, um, shared more than—I'm very surprised— um, it was shared more than almost any podcast this year, or it's right up there with the top five, which is surprising to me because we really just talked about why Christians should vote and what's our responsibility is that doing good to our neighbor. So um, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us another chance to talk about what really matters, and that is your word, the truth, the gospel. Uh, We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in our hearts. Those that are listening right now, we are considered the remnant. Um, The gospel is the power of God to salvation, but we know, Lord, it is not popular in this culture that is intolerant towards Christianity and especially uh, toward moral absolutes. Um, But, Lord, we thank you for giving us the Great Commission. We thank you for giving us your truth and the strength that you provide every day when we're feeling weak. Um, We can only do this work through you, God. It is a great work. It is an awesome responsibility, and we praise you that one step at a time, we can trust you in all things to take care of what we need to do to reach people for Christ. And Father, help us to set our mind on things above. Help us to set our hearts on things above today. Even as we try to influence our country, our culture for Christ, help us even to not get too much into the mud and the dirt and the garbage, but to set our hearts and minds on you. That's a hard balance sometimes living in this world because we are not of this world. But we lift that up to you. We thank you that you guide us one day at a time. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we lift up this hour to you. We pray that people would be encouraged and edified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's guest, J.B. Hickson, has more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic arenas. Dr. Hickson has served on the faculties and adjunct faculties of nine colleges and seminaries. He earned degrees from Houston Baptist University, Dallas Theological Seminary, and Baptist Bible Seminary. He's the author of nine books and has contributed to theological journals, magazine and newspaper articles, and other media. He's also the host of Not By Works. It's a 25-minute daily radio program that airs Monday through Friday. J.B. and his wife, Wendy, have been married for 28 years. They have six children and one granddaughter. J.B., thank you so much for being on Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, David. Thank you so much. Good to talk with you. Thank you for uh, connecting with us this morning. We had some issues with the phone lines. I have no idea what that's about, but I'm glad to have you on. Uh, Before we get into the topic today and your book and the content from your book, tell us a little bit about where you pastor, what brought you to that area, and uh, just how things are going with all the, the COVID challenges at your church. Yeah, you bet. So we're at Plum Creek Chapel, and that's in uh, Sedalia, Colorado, which is basically a suburb of Denver. And we've been in Colorado about four years. Um, Been at this church just a short time, and um, we've kind of pastored and been in academics and done several different uh, ministry initiatives through the years. But uh, this is where we've landed and really excited about what God's doing here on the front range, as they call it here in Colorado. (laughs) And um, yeah, just... uh, have a great relationship with the church, a good team of uh, leaders that uh, kind of cover for me when I'm on the road traveling, and it's a great partnership with the Not By Works and the church. Colorado has been a kind of a liberal state recently, but it didn't used to be that way. It used to be more conservative. Do you attribute that pretty much to uh, Denver and Boulder, and, and uh, how, is, how is it in your area? Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, we actually live in Colorado Springs, and it's a little bit more conservative maybe on the whole. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely Denver, kind of like Illinois and other big states, uh, sort of sets the tone for the whole state. 
Um, but, you know, the depravity of man is a degenerative disease. It doesn't get better with time. Mm. So I really believe that, you know, a lot of these states, even ones that still remain um, so-called conservative, are, are drifting the other way, and that's just a sign of the times. And isn't that a sign of the church as well? Um, yeah. We want to yeah. talk a little bit about that to set up the conversation about your book today. Um, I'm reading one article about some stats that came out from Pew Research only a few months before the COVID-19 pandemic. This was a poll published highlighting the shocking pace of decline of Christianity in America. You alluded to it. We tend to throw words around, and we're not even sure how to define them sometimes, conservative, liberal. But when you're talking about Christianity and the church— I mean, I think we have to determine that as either biblical or not biblical. <laughs> you know, um, in the last 10 years, the percentage of Americans identifying as Christians dropped from 77% to only 65%. Let's stop right there. There are other stats in this survey, but I want to stop right there. So let's just say, according to Pew, 65% of Americans identify as Christians. Well, JB, as you know, um, a lot of people think they're Christian and they're truly not converted or regenerated. They maybe go to church once a week, maybe a couple times a month, but they think because maybe they grew up in a religious home or they live in America, they're Christians. And I know that's possibly some of the content we're going to get into in your book today, which, by the way, I want to mention the book that we're going to be talking about, Top Ten Reasons Why Some People Go to Hell and the One Reason No One Ever Has to. JB, your thoughts on the 65% of professing Christians in America? Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, statistics are, you know, always a little bit tough to interpret yes. because there are a lot of variables. Um, but um, it doesn't really surprise me, honestly. If I had to kind of give my best stab at, at, you know, you know, what the percentages would be, just a sort of a dead reckoning, I would say it's probably a lot less than 65 percent. Um, and I do want to clarify that. You know, when we say, or when I say, and again, I'm not a prophet, I'm just making a guess, that, say, 50% of Americans are Christian, or 40%, or whatever it is, what I mean by that is, you know, the one and only way to become born again is by faith in Christ, the mm -hmm. Son of God who died and rose again for our sins. And so, uh, people can and do believe many things in life, uh, but the only thing that, when you believe it, brings eternal life is the Gospel. And so, as you said, a lot of people identify as a Christian because they live in the West, they're not Muslim, they're not Buddhist, uh, so I must be Christian. Uh, but in terms of those who've truly trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, um, that number doesn't surprise me, really. Right. Uh, before we get into uh, your book, tell us about the website, Not By Works, because that's kind of what we're going to be talking about being saved in the Gospel. It's notbyworks.org. Amen. Yeah. So uh, our ministry with Not By Works has been around for over 20 years now. We started in 99. I was teaching full-time at the time in a college and uh, just launched this ministry, and it just sort of got traction over time. But it's based on Titus 3.5, which is our theme verse, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And so our passion is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel message. And although over the years... Uh, our ministry uh, focus has expanded to include, you know, a few other areas of, of great interest and specialty, you might say, such as end times prophecy and discipleship. Um, our focus always is on evangelism. So whatever topic I'm speaking on, and, and we've been in over 700 churches in all 50 states, uh, churches and conferences, that is, uh, we always give the gospel and uh, make it uh, clear and uh, we have a passion to see people come to faith. I've got a personal question, one more before we get into your book, JB, and that is, um, how do you pastor a church full-time? You're a writer and you're a radio host, because I do the same thing, only I'm, only I'm an associate pastor, so I'm part-time. I can't imagine being a full-time pastor, and, and, and plus, you know, keeping up with family responsibilities. How do you do that? Well, we, I've been really blessed through the years. First of all, I have an awesome wife who uh, has just been 100% supportive of our ministry. We've been married 28 years, and I've been in ministry 32 years. And uh, secondly, God surrounded me with some awesome people. Um, you know, I've always worn multiple hats. Uh, right now I'm the president of a small Bible college in South Dakota. Wow. I have a team up there of boots on the ground that really help, and mm. I go up you know, once or twice a, a month. 
and then uh, the church. It's a non-traditional role, uh, and you know they under they've embraced not by works. They were connected to not by works before I took the position, and so they have given me ten Sundays a year to be uh, traveling, and and then we've got some other pastors on staff, or at least lay pastors that help preach when I'm gone. And, you know, the Lord, uh, I just have a real sense of urgency that the time is short, and mm. I've always been one of these that's been able to, you know, to really juggle a lot, and, you know, I'm a technology guy, and I uh, use a Bible software that really helps me with study and writing, and um, just just able to kind of keep the balls in the air. Okay, thank you for explaining that. I need to get uh, better up to speed on technology. I'm not a technology guy. I mean, I'm social media and everything, but as far as the technology, the behind the scenes on how everything works and how to use it most efficiently, I think I could use a couple uh, courses on that. So let's get into your book. And by the way, um, I know I was sent the, the PDF on that. I, what, my, I have computer issues, so I wasn't able to really open that up and, and read it. But I do have the basic bullet points of it, and I've got the website and the description of the book. But I want to recommend it. Is the best place to go Amazon or notbyworks.org to get your book, J.B.? Yeah, either one. Um, you know, obviously it helps support our ministry if you get it through the Not By Works online store. Okay. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of DVDs and uh, other books besides mine of like-minded um, uh, Bible teachers. Um, it's the same price either place, but okay. whatever's easiest. We have free ship, or actually it's a real cheap shipping, like a dollar or two dollars, but uh, whatever's easier for the person. All right, we will put the link to the Not By Works store on the podcast notes today, StandUpForTheTruth.com. So the book, very, I think it's a provocative title, Top Ten Reasons Some People Go to Hell and the One Reason No One Ever Has To. Um, first of all, it, I know you've written nine books. This is your ninth, is that correct? That's right, yeah, most recent one. Okay, so why wasn't this number one? I mean, what at this time in your life, in your ministry, in our history— in America at this moment, why did you decide to write this book now? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question, David. I um, so obviously my passion, as you can tell from the, from our ministry, is the gospel and the clarity of it. Uh, my first book, written back in 2007, was called "Getting the Gospel Wrong: <laughs> The Evangelical Crisis No One Is Talking About," and that uh, was a pretty heavy book, a pretty t- a technical book, a lot of footnotes, a lot of exegesis. Uh, but it focused on some false gospels that are very prevalent in our world today. And then over the years, as I've uh, been out and about and uh, been at different conferences and on school campuses and places, uh, it just has always amazed me, and, I, and I'm sure you feel the same way, how hard it is for some people to accept the free gift of eternal life. Mm. I mean, it's free, and most people like free things, and we get excited about free things, but for some reason, the one thing that matters the most, which is our eternal salvation, for some reason people um, reject it. And so over the years, I've just sort of kept a mental list of uh, reasons or sort of categories, what it might be that, that you know, causes someone to, uh, to reject such an incredibly free gift, fully paid for by the blood of Christ. And then eventually, I decided to kind of put that in a book. Um, I actually started this book... Uh, with a rough outline six years ago, and then just uh, got so busy, and we really, you know, started just being overwhelmed with speaking engagements and on the road all the time, and mm. it just kept getting pushed to the back. And then, uh, honestly, finally with this uh, COVID, when we were locked down and our <laughs> church wasn't able to meet for a while, uh, like so many, I just decided this is what I'm, how I'm going to spend my time. So I spent several weeks, uh, eight or nine hours a day, just heads down, really. Uh, cranking it out and have a great publisher and great editor who put the finishing touches on it. And so what we do in Top Ten Reasons, as the title indicates, is I have uh, one chapter right off the bat called The Bomb and the Explosion, the first chapter, that basically explains that ultimately the reason anyone doesn't go to heaven is because they did not believe the gospel. Mm. And it's kind of like saying, did the person die from the bomb or the explosion? Well, it's (laughs) it's kind of both. Um, But then I get into what is it that causes them not to believe? And I have uh, 10 chapters then, uh, right after that first chapter, that talk about, you know, things like pride, um, things like bitterness. You know, some people are really hurt. They've been really hurt, dealt an unfair hand, suffered a tragedy, and they've, they've just, their heart has turned hard toward the Lord, and they blame mm-hmm. God for mm-hmm. 
their heart, you know, their their sadness and tragedy. Uh, I talk about uh, how some people, for some people, it's about uh, making a deal. They they don't think they need the gift. They want to make a deal. They want to sit down at the negotiating table and try to earn their way. Yep. Um, uh, for some people, they've they've never heard the gospel, and um, and you know, so there are a lot of reasons that that sort of come together. And I, I spend a lot of time giving examples and researching uh, in each chapter. Uh, you know, a lot of scripture. Uh, but the bottom line is, um, it, it, this book serves sort of as both a apologetic and the preface. I deal with it, you know, dealing with skeptics and talking to people who may have picked it up because of the provocative title, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, might not know the Lord. So I kind of talk to them personally and ask them to give it a chance and to to read through. But it also serves as an evangelistic tool because as you're talking to someone about the Lord, uh, you'll you'll soon pick up that chances are one of these. Ten broad categories sort of applies to them in terms of why they are resisting the gospel. Hmm. Um, Romans eight twenty eight. I thought of immediately. Uh, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. The COVID shutdown was used to write this book in part. You know, you used your time to do something that would further the kingdom. And uh, man, I wish I would have done that. But JB, um, the first one of the first questions is. Why would God, and this is a common question we hear, why would God send anyone to hell? Yeah, so that is a very common question, and there's a very simple answer for it if you understand the Bible. Uh, God does not send anyone to hell. Amen. In fact, uh, God uh, did everything he could when he created mankind to uh, warn us about the dangers of uh, disobeying him. So, you know, God created man in his own image. And that involved uh, free will and volition. Uh, but because he loved us as his prized creation, you know, the highest pinnacle, the crown jewel of creation, uh, he warned us about one tree. And he said, look, I love you so much, I don't want you to die. Whatever you do, please don't eat from that tree. <laughs> of course, we marched right over and, and took a great big bite. <laughs> and so at that point, uh, a lot of people think that God should have then said, oh, no big deal, don't worry about it, everybody makes mistakes, uh, uh, not a problem, forget about it. You know, they think God should have sort of winked and nodded at sin. And I don't know about you, but I'm actually extremely thankful that he didn't. Because if that had been God's response, then we would have known right off the bat that God is a fickle, unfaithful, unreliable, untrustworthy God. He didn't keep his word. Hmm. But because he is God and he's perfect, uh, exactly what he warned us would happen happened. We died, and we became separated from a holy God. Uh, but, of course, uh, the message of redemption doesn't stop there. God then took the next step, completely voluntary, to reach down and help pull us out of the predicament we got ourselves in. Mm. And, and he did that by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, uh, to earth to put on human flesh. He lived a perfect, holy, sinless life, and he alone paid the sin debt for the whole world. Uh, see, David, I couldn't pay your sin debt as much as I might like you, as I get to know you. I might say, man, this David's a great guy. I think I'll, I'll pay his sin debt. Or, you couldn't pay mine, mm-hmm. uh, because we have our own sin on our shoulders. But Jesus, as the perfect God-man, had room on his shoulders to pay the debt for the whole world. So the price has been paid, and the offer has been made. Uh, but God does not force his salvation on anyone uh, any more than he forced us to obey. Uh, from the beginning. He gave us free will. Forced love is no love at all. Uh, forced love, in fact, is hate. So God says, hey, come one, come all. Uh, in fact, the last uh, chapter uh, in this uh, particular book that we're talking about is come one, come all. Uh, it's a free offer, fully paid for. Uh, cost us nothing. It cost God his son, and it cost Jesus Christ his own life. Mm. Uh, but it cost us nothing. It's, it, we couldn't pay the debt even if we wanted to. Uh, and so it's a free offer. It's universally offered. God is not willing that any should perish, but he's not going to force it on us. So back to your question, if anyone ends up in hell, they have no one to blame but themselves, because God has done everything he can to rescue us from the penalty of sin. We have a couple, with just one minute before we need to take a break, but we're talking with J.B. Hickson, uh, pastor, author, uh, radio host, uh, president of Bible College. By the way, shout out to South Dakota. We've got friends listening from different parts of the country online to this podcast. When we come back, we're going to ask the question, 
what would you say to someone who denies the existence of a literal hell? And we'll talk about a whole lot more with J.B. Hickson, talking about the gospel and evangelism. When we come back on Stand Up For The Truth, don't go away. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Today we're talking to J.B. Hickson. In the book, we are discussing the top 10 reasons some people go to hell and the one reason no one ever has to. J.B., the next question would logically be, uh, what would you say to someone who denies the existence of a literal hell? So, you know, that gets into a little bit of apologetics, but Mm -hmm. what I would say is, first of all, I would ask them, you know, do they believe Jesus existed? And and then if if so, which 99% of people are going to say yes, because he's the most historically attested person that ever walked the earth, uh, then I'll say, well, then he's either a liar or a lunatic, or he's the Lord, because he (laughs) himself said, for example, in uh, Matthew 25, 41, that when he comes back, he's going to, you know, send those who've never believed in him into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, you don't hear that preached very often today, uh, but uh, these are the words of the Lord. The Lord Jesus himself said, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the power to cast into hell. Mm. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Luke 12, 4 and 5. Mm. And then also go to Revelation 20, where, uh, you know, Jesus, when he comes back uh, at the second coming, actually in Revelation 19, he casts the Antichrist and his second-in-command, in the book of Revelation that's called the False Prophet, into uh, the lake of fire, to be tormented, it says. And then a thousand years later, in Revelation chapter 20, uh, the Lord then casts Satan himself into the lake of fire. And notice what it says, Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. Now, when were they cast into the lake of fire? A thousand years earlier, and they're still there, and it says, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hmm. So, this idea of annihilationism, or that you just cease to exist, does not at all correspond to the biblical record. So I want to ask a follow-up question to that. A lot of us are confused about how people go to either heaven with God or hell apart from God, and this idea of eternity in hell, we understand being in a state of of perfection and glorification and worship with Christ, our Savior, but in hell, how do you not, if there's an eternal fire, how do you not be burned up? How do you last through that? Do you have bodies that are, I don't know, how does that work? Impenetrable? Yeah, so uh, the bodies that we look at, that we think of with flesh and bone and uh, blood vessels and arteries and so forth, is uh, contained in this world of time, space, and matter. Uh, Speaking of believers, remember Paul said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, and that's why this mortal must put on immortality, this corruptible must put on uh, incorruption. And uh, in verse 1 Corinthians 15, and we're all changed. So the same thing is true of unbelievers. The resurrection of the physical body hmm. is uh, universal. It happens for believers and unbelievers, Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5. Um, and so we don't know specifically what that eternal body, for lack of a better word, looks like. A lot of people, for believers, uh, relate it to the body of the resurrected Christ, and, and we do have some biblical data in terms of what he did after uh, he rose from the dead before he ascended uh, to the right hand of the throne of God. But we don't have a lot of data in terms of unbelievers. We do have some, though. Uh, in Luke 16, for example, Jesus tells us uh, the account of an unbeliever who is in torment in hell. Uh, it, it, it's called Hades at the, in that place, but it's the place of torment. And uh, and he's clearly in torment. You know, remember the rich man and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, you know, the idea of the lake of fire, we tend to think of it in terms of this material world of time, space, and matter. And you're right, when something uh, burns, it eventually will burn up when it loses uh, oxygen. But uh, in eternity, there is no time, space, and matter. Hmm. So the lake of fire is 
really a way to express the torment. If you're being burned, you're being it's painful and you're in torment. And that's the reason um, both Jesus and the book of Revelation describe it as a place of torment. Hmm. That clarifies a lot of things. In 1 Corinthians 15, one of my, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Um, so the book is targeted toward, obviously, toward unbelievers, but believers are the, probably the ones that are going to read this so that they can have a better understanding on how to share the gospel. Uh, is, was that your thoughts in this approach that you took for the book? Absolutely, yeah. In fact, uh, in the preface and in the afterword, I sort of talk directly to both groups. And so for a believer, it's uh, sort of a, an, uh, an, an evangelistic tool to kind of help you put yourself in the perspective of an unbeliever so that as you're sharing the gospel, you can begin to identify some key uh, thinking errors that they may have. Um, again, it might be pride. It might be a broken heart. It might be this pluralistic a mindset. I have a chapter called "You Say Tomato," and it's <laughs> it's about pluralism. The view that oh, what what difference does it make? We're all going to get there eventually, and mm. it's not just one way. And so, as you're talking to people, um, and by by the way, this is by no means exhaustive. There could probably be multiple books written with different responses. Mm-hmm. But these are sort of the ten biggies, I think, where most likely you're going to come up against one of these these argumentations. So it, it helps as an evangelistic tool. But, you know, I have a heart for the lost, and so I definitely speak right to the beginning, asking the, the person, hey, please do me a favor and at least finish this preface, and then if, uh, if you want after that, you can put it down and not read another word, or hopefully it'll uh, pique your interest and you'll be interested in reading through the rest of it. Uh, you referred to universalism uh, before, and is that one of the most common beliefs out there, false beliefs, that no matter what we do in this life, we all end up in heaven. There's a Christian universalism, too, which is so dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's becoming—full-blown universalism is becoming more and more common, mm. and it's, it, it's a huge percentage of people in general, of the 7.5 billion people in the world. But more often, what I see is, is what's called inclusivism, which is more of this idea that yeah, you know, there's a heaven and a hell, but there's multiple ways to get there. And, you know, uh, people say, yeah, I believe that ultimately Jesus paid the penalty, but you don't have to know him to be saved, that you can come to God, the Creator, through Allah or uh, Buddha or, you know, whoever it may be, and uh, and whether you have actually ever know the name Jesus, or know that he died and rose again for your sins, that whether you know any of that's irrelevant. Uh, I talked to a lady Sunday, or yeah, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, who just kept, you know, saying this very thing, that uh, she's known a lot of Muslims and a lot of Buddhists, and they're all good people, and they're sincere, and, mm-hmm. and they're going to go there, too. And they believe in Jesus, and the minute she mentioned that Muslims believe in Jesus, I said, oh, so they think he's the Son of God knowing, of course, that they don't. And she said, oh, no, no, they just think he was a good teacher. And I said, oh, so they think he was a liar. Well, no, no, they don't think he was a liar. And I said, well, and I wasn't being combative. I was just trying to help her think through the the logical fallacy. Um, They can't have it both ways. If you believe in Jesus, then you've got to take him at his word. And he claimed to be the Son of God. He said, I and my Father are one. And so he's either lying or he is who he said he is. And uh, so, you know, I think... You're right. Inclusivism is this notion that there are multiple roads that lead uh, to heaven. Um, and universalism is the view that really mankind doesn't have a problem. Uh, we're all going to get there one way or the other, so don't worry about it. Yeah, there are a lot of good people. I mean, you know, in definition of man's understanding of good. Uh, and there are a lot of sincere people. A lot of people sincerely believe um, whether it's based on emotion, fact, or something else, or experience, they believe in something, but many will find out too late they're sincerely wrong. Um, how much does the—I know we're kind of getting a little away from the, the points in the book now, but I think this applies to what we were just talking about, this very popular philosophy. I guess you could put it into terms of one word, coexist. And yeah. I see that bumper sticker. I mean, even some Christians even have that because it's it's the thought of, oh, we should all just get along. We should all be tolerant. But as we know, tolerance has been 
completely redefined. And that, if you know the history behind that sticker and that philosophy, it's really not very tolerant of Christianity. Your thoughts on that, JB? Yeah, no, it's not. It's New Age mysticism. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we live in the age where people say, can't we just agree to disagree? And what I believe is we need more people willing to disagree to agree. (laughs) Uh, We need people willing to take a stand. Uh, The Bible is very clear that in the latter days, people will depart from the faith, people will give heed to the doctrines of demons and um, evil spirits, and they will be, you know, developing false belief systems. And we need to stand firm on the truth. Um, you know, this notion that we all just have to be tolerant of one another is basically just another way of excusing sin. Um, you know, we want to be friendly with everyone and gracious first and foremost, but we we don't want to be accepting of uh, viewpoints that are clearly immoral. And so, you know, I think we've we've allowed. Uh, pagan secular humanism to define the arguments and the big picture of that is called a deconstructionism where you know words don't mean anything anymore and and if someone uh, expresses uh, their view then you get to judge their motives even though you don't know what's in their heart uh, and you get to determine what they mean and that's that's a non-sustainable approach uh, you know, only the author or speaker gets to determine what he means or she means. Uh, The listener or the reader doesn't, um, because otherwise it descends very rapidly into chaos. You know, someone might read my book and say, you know, J.B., I read your book and and I know what you meant. What you meant is that God hates people and and then he's sending them to hell, Hmm. which, of course, is not, not only is that not what I meant, it's not what I said, (laughs) uh, because generally speaking, we say what we mean. Um, and so that, but but yet in this postmodern milieu where you get to, to pick what other people mean, I have no argument. They, they they have to admit they're right. That they get to pick what I mean. It's funny how some people will read something very clearly in black and white text. Like I've written some books, and I'll go check out uh, comments on them or reviews on Amazon or whatever. And I'll read a review, and they'll those are the ones that usually give you the one star. Those who disagree with your worldview, right? Right. And and some of those reviews are like, I, I read it, and I'm really trying to, s- maybe if there's anything, any constructive criticism, if there's anything that I could, uh, you know, learn or glean from that. But I'm thinking, wow, some of these these negative reviews, they, I'm thinking they never even read the book. There's no way they read the book for them to come up with this. It was attacking, it's generalizations. So some people will hear what they want to hear. And by the way, uh, w- one of the things I liked, I opened up your the, the book first thing I saw, um, uh recommendation from Dr. Andy Woods, and we have him on this program regularly. Uh, he's one of our guests here at Stand Up For The Truth. So um, I want to get back to just in your writing process, when you're a, a writer, there's things that you include that you do based on research and what you think you should share de- depending on the topic. But then there are probably some chapters that you put in the book that are really closer to your heart. What would you say in your book that we're talking about right now, the 10 top 10 reasons some people go to hell and the one reason no one ever has to, is there a favorite chapter or a couple favorite chapters that uh, you'd like to talk about? Yeah, definitely. I I was hoping you would ask that question. Uh, First, let me interject. Yeah, Andy Woods and I go way back. Uh, Awesome. He actually came to teach at the school I had taught at for five years. Mm. After I left, and uh, we both are from the Houston area, I've been in his church many times. We share the states uh, all across the country, so I, right. I think very highly of him. He's one of my go-to guys to just dialogue about theology. But uh, for me, you're right, we all have certain passions and things that really just, just resonate with us. And for me, uh, Chapter 7, Mending a Broken Heart, was one of them, and hmm. we touched on that a little bit, just about how people... You know, life is in, inherently unfair. We live in a fallen world where Satan is the prince. Um, John, First John 5 says the, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Uh, it won't always be this way. Someday Christ is going to come back and make all things new. And What a great hallelujah moment that will be. Uh, but in the meantime, bad things happen to good people. And, and one of my uh, goals in that chapter was to get people to see uh, that what happened to them is not God's fault. It's ultimately just the natural consequences of a fallen world, Mm. uh, and that God is not the one to blame 
in a situation like that. He's the one to rescue us. He's the safe haven. He's the one, one and only one that can mend the broken heart. So that's a, you know, that's a one chapter. And then I had a lot of fun with uh, the chapter called the Goat. Uh, that's an <laughs> acronym, greatest of all time. I'm mm-hmm. sure uh, sports fans have have heard that. Someone is said to be the goat, it means they're the greatest of all time. And so that's a chapter on pride and narcissism and the me generation and how today uh, people, uh, particularly millennials, but not only millennials, have sort of adopted this view of you know being above it all. And, mm. and, uh, and so we, I talk a lot in there about the dangers of pride and how that can blind you to your own condition. And uh, so that, those would probably be two of my favorites. Um, by the way, I want to encourage people, uh, whether they go to your site, Not By Works, and you can get the book and, and check out JB's other books there. But I do want to encourage some to uh, click the link in the podcast to go to the Amazon page. It is a brand new book, and the more ratings that you can get and the more reviews, positive reviews that you can get, the better. And that helps other people when they go to the page see those reviews and go, wow, I'm going to check this out. So I really want to encourage you, the top 10 reasons why some people go to hell and the one reason no one ever has to. We have two minutes left, JB. It's probably not enough to answer a full question here. But one of the things is the idea of unbelief. Is that the primary reason why anyone would end up in hell? Yeah, so ultimately, theologically, you know, that's definitely the reason. Uh, You know, Jesus plainly said, um, you know, if you, you know, don't believe in me, you'll spend eternity in hell. Um, conversely, if you do believe in me, you've passed from death to life and shall never uh, come into judgment. So uh, John 3.16, or 3.18, uh, uh, I think it is, uh, clearly uh, he says, uh, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, hmm. because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So that's the, the words of Christ. So when we ask you know, when we talk about top ten reasons some people go to hell, I start out in chapter one, which is not one of the reasons. So there are twelve chapters. There's an introductory chapter, chapter one, then the ten reasons each in one chapter, and then sort of a closing uh, summary. But chapter one makes the, that very point that it's about unbelief. Mm-hmm. But why? Why do people not believe the gospel? Um, and uh, maybe after the break, I want to come back to and talk about something you said earlier about sincerity and how a lot of people in other religions are very sincere. And yes. I'd like to comment about that, too. Yes, we will definitely do that. Um, so the website, Not By Works, you can get to that, friends, if you want to check it out. And there's a lot of resources there. There's You have a YouTube page. There's links to that. It's notbyworks.org. We're talking with J.B. Hickson, and he's a pastor, an author, a radio host, and the book, one of his nine books, and you can check them all out. It's uh, top ten reasons some people go to hell and the one reason no one ever has to. More to come with J.B. Hickson on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. And uh, those of you that are listening to the podcast or have downloaded this uh, program, you did not hear w- those radio spots that just aired in the break. But uh, Freedom Project is what they were just talking about. And my new article this week and video is called Battle for the Soul of America. And I talk about Christians and, quote, political issues. <laughs> and you know what I mean when I say that. I mean moral issues, right? So uh, we're with J.B. Hickson, our guest today. I do want to remind you, he does have a radio show. You can go and check out some of his archives at notbyworks.org. And right up top, there's a link, a navigation link that says radio program. Before we get back to your book, J.B., I want to go back to John chapter 3, which you read verse 18. Of course, everyone, almost everyone knows John three sixteen for God so loved the world. But let's move ahead for these More unfamiliar verses, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Some people, some Christians, use that as an excuse not to judge. They say, judge ye not. Look at that verse. God didn't send Jesus to condemn, but they forget the context and they stop there. Verse 18 that you shared, I want to reiterate that and then get your thoughts. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but... 
Read the buts in the Bible, friends. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works or their deeds were evil. JB, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all born dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2.1. Uh, we don't become a sinner the first time we sin. We sin because that's what sinners do. Mm. Uh, David said, in sin my mother conceived me. So we're born with a universal problem, and there's a, a solution that is widespread, freely offered, and available to all, and that is uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So um, you are uh, condemned because you've never received the free gift of eternal life. How do you receive that? John 1.12, to as many as received him, that is, those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God. So more than 160 times the New Testament alone conditions eternal life on faith alone and Christ alone. Mm. So it could not be more clear. Uh, the devil has done a great job of blinding men's hearts to the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.4, confusing things. He's the author of confusion. Uh, but it's really simple, so simple a child can understand it. Mm -hmm. You can state the gospel in ten words or less. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And when a person believes that, and believes that it's a, he did it personally for them, that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, and only Jesus can save them, in that moment, they are born again. Uh, you said something earlier, I think in the last segment, we were talking about a lot of people being sincere, and a lot of people do not believe Jesus is God. They, of course, then you have to go back and challenge him on what he said, um, and find out, like you said, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. If he's Lord, if what he said was true, then we better look at his claims and his teachings. But there are a lot of people from other religions. They're very, they're good people. Some of them are very moral people when it comes to works, when it comes to living a moral life, and they are sincere in what they believe. And I would love for you to just, just expand that thought a little bit on sin, how sincerity does not save you. Absolutely. That's such an important point and one that I, I really focus on a lot in our, in our teaching ministry. Um, it's, not, it's not the kind of faith or the sincerity of faith that saves you. It's the content of faith. And in other words, it's not how you believe or why you believe. It's what you believe. When faith meets the gospel... The result is eternal life every time. Hmm. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it. So uh, we want to be careful when we talk about the sincerity of others, not to imply that, that even for Christians it's the sincerity of our faith that saves us. It's not like... You know, if you believe the gospel, you're not saved, but if you really, really, really believe it, then you're saved. You know, it's not how you believe, it's what you believe. And people can and do believe many things in life. Uh, so when we say you're saved by faith, we mean faith in a particular object, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for our sins. So I always like to point out to people that a child's belief in Santa Claus is faith. It's just as much real faith as our faith. It's wrong, and, and it won't get you to heaven, but it's faith. And a Muslim's belief or faith in the five pillars of the Islamic faith is real faith. Uh, but it's not faith in the right object, so it won't get you to heaven. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of sincere people, but Romans 1 uh, tells us that nobody has an excuse because God has revealed himself generally to the entire world, and if we respond to that general revelation, God will make sure that he sends special revelation in the form of the gospel so that people have the opportunity to hear and believe. Paul said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Mm. That goes with a lot of things, too, of course, the gospel, but I'm thinking about just talking points and what we're here. We are so, I guess, distracted these days with maybe modern technology and everything, the Internet and entertainment and the busyness of life. We hear sound bites and we form opinions, and sometimes a worldview. I'm thinking about young people particularly because at, we started off the show talking about this Pew research that now the professing Christian uh, is now 65% in America, but also those who don't believe has 
increased, atheists even increased, but um, they also say millennials saw the steepest decline in faith. And I would say I come from a family of educators, JB, and and I don't I'm not sure how much actual education young people are getting in the schools today because they come out of there. Let's just talk about Christian kids. They're in danger of going to a public education system and then to an antichrist university system and being attacked in a, a, a system that is hostile toward Christianity. And if they don't have a good foundation going in, these young people, they're in a lot of trouble. Please speak to that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a real passion of ours as well. And they're not getting taught, they're getting indoctrinated. Exactly. In many cases, they've been indoctrinated, you know, for 13 years. Mm. Um, since compulsory government education was launched in 1918, uh, which people forget how recent that is mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's always been that way. But that was by design. Um, you know, you take the children away from the home, you lock 30 of them in a room together, uh, starting at about age five for eight hours a day five days a week for the next 13 years, and then you wonder why several generations later the world is in such a such dire straits, or at least our culture and our country. Mm. Um, so, yeah, people need to learn that, uh, you know, the dangers of it. Now, you know, we have six children, and, uh, you know, two of them are in college right now, two of them are out of college, but, um, and, you know, we, like every parent, struggle with the same thing of praying for their protection praying for God to guard their hearts and praying that we've done enough and building a biblical worldview into their lives. But uh, it's, these are tough times. Uh, I would recommend, by the way, I'm in the midst of a series right now uh, called The Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. Mm. And I'm going through uh, and t- sort of surveying the landscape and seeing how the stage is being set for the Antichrist someday to deceive the whole world. Um, and so that's available on our YouTube channel. It's free. It, a new installment comes out every week. Um, but it addresses how this deception is impacting even some Christians, and as you say, particularly young people. Yes. Um, I don't want to stop there. I want to just pick your brain a little bit to help you help Christian parents who are listening right now, who some of them, I know a lot of them, if they've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, we've had some education experts on here, some uh, Christian men and women that have really tried to encourage believers to homeschool. What would you say to Christian parents who think it might be too late? They know their young son or daughter might be hanging with people, obviously kids that are not Christians, so their peer pressure, that affects them. The media, social media, Hollywood, this all affects them in, in the culture. But now in school, they're not getting, they're getting drawn further away from God. What would you say to those parents who say it, it might be too late at this point? They've been in uh, government education for, or public schools for a number of years now already. I mean, I wish I had a magic wand, um because I know the heartache that they're facing. First of all, I would say it's never too late to do the right thing. Mm. Um, you know, yes. Proverbs talks about that, that, you know, you, you know, the earlier you start out children learning the, the Word of God and biblical wisdom, the better it's going to be. Mm. Uh, you can't go back in time, but you can start today. Um, you like know, someone said, uh, you, know, you know, the best time to, uh, to plant a, a tree was yesterday. The next best time is today. So... Um, <laughs> You know, um, what I would say, first of all, uh, you know, going back just to the general principle, uh, I understand that everyone has to make this choice for themselves, and for some parents, homeschooling is not an easy option. Uh, So I don't judge anybody. We leave, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But if I had to give you my personal advice, it would be get them out. Mm. I just have a hard time understanding how... Parents today can justify putting their kids in a pagan, godless system, which, by its own definition, by its own definition, is pagan and godless. Yes, um, uh, and, and allow you know, subcontract out the raising of their children for eight hours a day, five days a week. It's just, it's frightening. But again, I get it. I know that that's easier said than done in many cases. Uh, you know, another practical piece of advice would be find a good Bible teaching church, so that if you have to have your kids and government schooling, then at least they can have a fighting chance at hearing good Bible teaching, uh, get them involved in a, in a youth groups. You can send them to youth camps and places. Again, you got to vet them and make sure that these are 
really biblically based. Um, and then prayer. Let's not, uh, you know, forget the power of prayer. Amen. God, God loves your children more than you do, and uh, and if you seek the heavenly Father's uh, help and 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 plead the case with Him, you know, as Jesus said, He's not going to give you a stone when you ask for a fish. So, um, so prayer would be a big part of it. And then, you know, reach out. Seek help from people. Yes. We do a lot of work with homeschooling uh, groups and speak at homeschooling conventions. And, you know, we can you know, talk offline, reach out to us through our website and give you some good resources. Notbyworks.org. I also want to mention, since we talked about this, and it's so important, parents, um, we've had so many good guests on, expert guests in education, Israel Wayne, Sam Sorbo, Alex Newman, Dr. Duke Pesta, Heidi St. John, many others. So I encourage you to look into that. Um, J.B. Hickson, we will have to have you back. The book is Top Ten Reasons Some People Go to Hell and the One Reason No One Ever Has To. That's one of your nine books. Pastor J.B., thank you so much for being with us on Stand for the Truth. We'll connect and get you uh, scheduled again. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks so much, David. All right, God bless you. Uh, When we come back, we've got some exciting guests coming up next week. We'll tell you about that. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Hey guys, thank you so much for sharing yesterday's podcast on uh, Christians and quote politics. And uh, man, I'm just so blessed. The battle for the soul of America. It's so important that we get the word out to try to rally the remnant, get Bible-believing Christians out to vote, because our country could take a very different turn in November, depending on the outcome of the election. And Christians should vote. I think that's your responsibility, our responsibility. It's a privilege and an honor, and we might one day lose it, or we might reach that point like you know, California. Now, I shouldn't say elections don't matter there, but you know what I mean. A lot of people check out. They don't vote because it's run by Democrats. They're not going to make a dent. So they say, what difference? I'm staying home. But we can't have that apathy when it comes to our country. So if you want to hear my impassioned plea yesterday, go to the podcast at StandUpForTheTruth.com. I really encourage you. I, I, I'm surprised even on our Facebook page, which has been shadow banned. Uh, People are starting to share it. So next week, of course, Monday, Labor Day, we are not going to be here. And God bless your uh, three-day weekend if you have that extra day off as well. Seiko Woods, pastor, or former pastor, our conservative black brother and troublemaker from Texas will be with us Tuesday. You will hear from Sergeant Mike McGrew, former police officer and law enforcement in California. He's going to be on the radio Wednesday on your radio. Mission America, Linda Harvey, Thursday, talking about the school corruption and propaganda calendar for this school year, and you'll be shocked at what's on the agenda. And then in studio, Friday, Elijah Abraham and Chris Quintana getting ready for the Prophecy Conference next weekend in Appleton. They will be here live and not Memorex. Well, thank you again for tuning in, your support, your prayers. God bless you, fear not, and always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.